0: talking about calling and courage. And the main idea is this, that God doesn't... Well, actually, I'll break down the main idea in three things. You know, I'm one of those pastors, right? Pastors have to have threes, right? Three points, three this, three that. All right, so when we think about how God calls us, a lot of times we think God calls the courageous. But that's not true. Judges 6, please. It's not true that he calls the courageous. He calls people many times that are in fear out of fear and the calling itself makes them courageous hope you got that in fact i i, I want to teach this, this one thing here if you're thinking that god is calling you to something that on your own you're not going to have a problem with because you've got it it's probably not a calling from god what god calls you to you don't have enough for so there will always be a response that will naturally come from your flesh and from your emotions that says this is too big for me this is crazy there's no way god wants me to do this and i want to tell you that's probably the call that's exactly god's call so god doesn't call the courageous he actually calls fearful people, and in answering the call, they become courageous, all right? Uh, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So if you're waiting in your life to get to that place to where you're just really righteous, I mean, at that place where you think you've got all the buttons on your shirt, we used to call it, when I, when I worked uh, as an officer, you had your gigs straight, anybody serve in the military or Come on, you had to have your gigs straight so all of your buttons were lined up properly. Your belt was in line with your buttons. Everything had to be so-so. And then you'd stand, right? And then a sergeant would come through and inspect you. That was the start of every one of my shifts. And so you had to have all of your gigs straight. If you're thinking that's the way God operates, you're wrong. Actually, he will call you without any gigs at all. And in the process of answering that call, your gigs get straight. <laughs> okay? You get straightened out. There isn't a person in the Bible that was qualified when God called them. And, I, and listen, as a pastor, I get these excuses all the time. I tell people, you know you're called. And they're like, yeah, I know I'm called, but i got to do this. i got to do this. And then when I do that, and then I get that done, then I'm going to do it. Because, you know, all those other things have to be right. You know, all of my ducks have to be in a row. And listen, the rich young ruler gave Jesus that excuse right he said lord i want to follow you and jesus says well cool go sell everything you got because i don't want any ties in your heart to your idols oh i can't do that lord or about the guy that said oh lord you know i want to follow you but you know what i got to bury my dad right and, and we all know that jewish burials back then took two years there was one for the origi- there was the first burial for the body then when, when the body would decompose down to, to bones they'd have a second funeral and they'd bury the bones so what the guy was saying i'll follow you in two years and Jesus said let the spiritually dead bury the dead in, in other words follow me now well everything isn't ready everything isn't in place Jesus says I, I, don't worry about that that's my business Mind your business your business is just to come and follow I will make right and Gideon is <laughs> it's so interesting his name is Gideon means feller of trees now um, I, in, in a past ministry I had a number of men that were that were elders in the church and deacons in the church and they had a tree cutting business. That was that's they were tree fellers. And we had a lot of jokes about that, okay? One of those I went out and worked with them one day and I almost, got, I almost got killed. And one of them grabbed me, picked me up, and he is big enough to do that. He picked me up and moved me out of the way of a tree. Gideon's name means tree feller. So you would think he's the type of guy that would knock down tall things and big things and you know, like a lumberjack. Nah. No, he is a Frady cat. He's not Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Okay? He's he's not William Wallace. He's not that guy at all. And yet when, and you're going to think it's an angel, but I believe it's Jesus that shows up. And you'll see this again later in Samson and his calling that comes to his parents. We have what's called a uh, Christophany a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus? We think it's an angel, but the Bible starts saying that the angel is called Lord. This angel that shows up and calls Gideon calls him mighty man of valor. Now, I want you to catch this. God doesn't call things as they are, okay? God calls things that are not, right, as he wants them to be. He's not looking at you right now and seeing you where you're at. God is seeing you where he wants you. The difference between the way the devil speaks to you and the way God speaks to you is the devil speaks to you about your present and your past. God speaks to you about your future and your future only in him. And you want you got to decide which voice you're going to listen to. And for Gideon, praise God, he heard the right voice, but he was fearful. And I thought I would list a couple of fears for you that I find quite interesting we all know what arachnophobia is, right? Help me. Anybody afraid of spiders at all? All the women said amen. That's why you have a husband, right? Right? Okay, here's another one. I'm going to try to pronounce these correctly. Um, Ophidia? Of, uh, phobia. That's a fear of snakes. So that would be like Indiana Jones, right? Um, necrophobia? Fear of dying or death, fear of death. Uh, Glossophobia? Speaking, yeah. It's a fear of public speaking. In fact, that one is listed as a more common fear than the fear of death. So imagine this. How many people, and I'm going Jerry Seinfeld here, but how many people are at a funeral hearing a guy speaking speaking? And saying to themselves, I'd rather be the guy in the casket than the guy given the funeral or the obituary, right? Fear of public speaking. How about this one? Octophobia. This is a real phobia. It's the fear of the number eight, okay? Um, olfactophobia. It's a fear of nasty smells. Now, I have that smell, uh, or that fear. Yeah, I have that smell. Be, be very afraid. Be afraid. Yeah. Dorophobia. Now, I had some kids. I think I know what Dora... Fo- I was afraid anytime Dora the Explorer came on, right? Right? No, it's actually the fear of animal fur. That's weird, right? Um, I can't pronounce this one correctly, but it's a uh, coolrophobia. It's not like being cool, man, phobia, but this is the fear of clowns. Yeah. My son was... He hate. He didn't like clowns at all. You know, we went to a buffet, and they had a clown that would come around and say hi and give you balloons, and my son would just go... He'd throw a fit, man. I'm like, chill out, dude. You know, come on, it's just a clown. Um, here, here's another one. Um, okay, umphala phobia. That's a fear of belly buttons. You know, and I, I, now I'm afraid personally of the Audis. The Innie's not so bad, but the Audis are are, are kind of bad. How many have Audis? Don't tell me. Okay, I don't want to know. I'm I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid to know. Okay, windbagophobia. That's a fear of a long sermon. No, I made that up. That's it. That, no, I just, so, yeah, is that true? You know, no, it's not. It's not. Hey, if you've been here for a while, you kind of know. Don't believe everything the pastor says, okay? Just, just a few of the things. All right. Uh, if, we're all, if we're all honest, we all have some trepidation. Maybe you're afraid of something coming up in your future. Maybe you've heard something from the doctor. Maybe you've conquered something in the past, and you're afraid it may come back right? Um, maybe you were one place in your marriage and you're, you're concerned about that relationship. A lot of people um, are afraid to walk away, though, from relationships that God needs them to walk away from. How many young people should walk away from someone if they're a believer and they're dating someone that isn't a believer? Come on, yeah. right? And they're, they're afraid to walk away because who else will date me? And, you know, and as adults, we try to help them through that. We try to say, wait, wait a minute, there's a lot of fish in the sea, right? It'll be okay. But they don't see that when they're, when they're young. Sorry, Mr. Joe. Joe's like, hey, man, I'm the only one this applies to. But, uh, you, you know, we try to help them, don't we? Because we're older. We know that you can conquer that fear. But they don't, right? How many of you know that um, there's a lot of people that as they get older, they start to, and this is true, they start to struggle with just going outside, as a pastor, I visit a lot of people, okay? And a lot of people, they just, they just want to stay inside their house. They, they hear all the bad news, and they see all the crazy stuff, going, and they just want to stay inside and stay safe, right? We can all deal with some level of trepidation. And here's what you're going to see in the message tonight, very quickly. God doesn't reward, watch this, courage with calling. Know this. Know this. You don't have to be at a place of courage for God to call you. But he creates courage with calling. He creates. God can put a boldness in you that you don't have. And you think, well, as soon as I got that boldness and I do it on my own, then I'll answer God. God's saying, I got that for you. Just, just obey me. Just, just answer me. Like, like tonight, um, maybe you have never spoken in front of people before. I still get butterflies. I'm in my 34th year. And you say, well, pastor, you know, it's us. We're friends. I still get it. And you know what I have to do? I just have to say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And then he shows up with the rest. Amen? All right, so Judges chapter 6, verse 1. Notice this. It, this is after Deborah died. That's the judge from last week, okay? Um, the people of Israel, what do they do? They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of the Midian, uh, of the Midianites for seven years. So I want you to see that this is a pattern. It's a cycle. As soon as the the past judge dies, right, there's a little bit of a lull between judges. People start sinning again, all right? And then they cry out to God. Verse three, whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, watch this, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. It says, when they would come up against them, they'd leave no sustenance in Israel, no sheep or ox or donkey. Verse four. They would come like locusts in Numbers so that they laid waste the land as they came in. They devoured everything like swarms of locusts. And I wish I had time, but the Old Testament picture of locusts and the New Testament picture is always of the enemy and of demonic presence, okay? Um, uh, You can read a lot about locusts in Joel, of how the enemy attacks people, all right? Uh, and, and how God restores the years the locusts have eaten. And then if you go to the book of Revelation, you see that there's certain demonic uh, presence that ends up on the earth. They show up and they have the form of locusts, okay? So that throughout the Bible is, is a demonic thing. Understand it's not just the people attacking God's people, all right, the Midianites. It's the demonic presence that's there too, Okay. It says they devoured the animals and the tools they used to produce crops, okay? It was like the IRS showed up, all right? Nothing was left. Nothing. Verse 6, And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out for for help to the Lord. And when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, on the account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet. Now that's key. Watch this. This time, this is interesting. This time, God is showing up a little bit different. God sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, Thus say the, says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up out of Egypt, brought you out of the house of slavery. Verse 9. And I drove, watch this, out your oppressors from before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not, what? Fear. Now this is a command. It's not, it's not a suggestion from God. It's not like God is saying, you know, hey, hey, here's some good advice. If you want to be my kids, okay, don't be afraid. No, God's saying, I'm not asking you. I'm, come on, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Because I'm the Lord your God, you shall not fear. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with people, and they have they have talked themselves into more trouble because they've regurgitated out of their mouth fear instead of faith. And I'm sitting there trying to tell them that's fear speak. And they're sitting there getting angry and mad at me because I won't agree with them in their fear. That's not my job. My job is not to agree with your fear. My job is to agree with the Lord and what the Lord is saying about you in faith. Calling things that are not as though they are. I'm not going to call out your fear. I'm going to call out your faith. And I expect you to do the same. And God is saying, listen, listen, you will not fear. And then he goes on to say, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now, stop for a minute. I think it's odd. This time the Lord sends a prophet. Before we see the judge show up on the scene, this time God sends a prophet. They didn't ask for a prophet. That's not what they asked for. They asked for a deliverer. They asked for another judge. Do you think that the people of God were starting to see the pattern? They were starting to see a pattern that if we go and sin and we get caught up in sin and the enemy starts to attack us, all we got to do is cry out to God. He'll raise up a judge, right? He'll destroy the enemy and then we'll go right back to sinning again. So what does God have to do? This time God has to change it up. Do you think they began to become religious in their pattern? Like, churches don't do that at all, right? Right? This is why, and I've taught this before, this is why Jesus, when he healed people, every single time he healed somebody, he did it differently. He never healed somebody the same way. Because as soon as Jesus would have healed somebody the same way, they'd have made a religion out of it. They would have said, that methodology, those steps are the way to get to God and get from God what you want. And so God has to change it up. But the real problem here isn't the Midianites. The real problem is that in themselves, in the desire to now, three judges have passed, because I didn't go really deep into Othniel and and give you a lot of the background there, but now this cycle has happened, and we're on the fourth repeat. Or you might say, if you were into the bulls, the three-peat. Come on, remember those days? You should know by now that the problem is really your sin, not that you're being attacked but that you went into sin again. So God sends a prophet this time, and I want to be clear, not every situation where you're suffering, it means somewhere you sinned, but sometimes that is the case. You might always want to check, right? Just like when a car stalls, you might want to check the gas gauge. I mean, you just, it's not, it doesn't mean that there isn't any gas but it's okay to check I mean Psalms one nineteen sixty seven says before I was afflicted I went astray but now I obey your word so sometimes we're suffering because we sinned doesn't mean all the time in fact a lot of times we're suffering because we're doing the right thing and Jesus of course suffered for doing a lot of right things so it doesn't mean all the th- all the time, but you definitely want to check. And especially if you're experiencing pain, you want to say, "Wait, back up. Did God send me a principle before the pain? And did God send me people before the pain? Or did we just go straight to the pain?" Because God always sends a principle. God always sends people, and then God allows pain, and that's grace too. Because if you're feeling pain, you're not in hell. And you're not dead. Right? And how many of you know he used all three? So, so, so check yourself. You know, God, is there some sin here? Doesn't mean there is, but in the case of Israel, there was, okay? Verse 11 Now the angel of the Lord came down, sat under a terebinth tree at Oprah. Now that's a different Oprah than we know today, okay? And, and, and so the angel starts talking to him, and, and I want you to see before the people respond, God has already begun their salvation. Can, can you see this? they didn't respond to what what God had said to the prophet yet. They didn't repent at all. And I want to show show you how merciful and loving God is. They didn't respond to the prophet's message, just like a lot of people don't respond to my preaching. Some do, some don't. How many of you know that's okay? And God sends an angel anyway, because he loves you, and he loves me. So what happens is, God sends an angel anyway, even though they hadn't repented. Now, the angel takes a seat by a tree while Gideon he starts beating out the wheat. He's sifting the wheat. And where he's, he's sifting it, he's at a wine press. All right? Let me tell you why he's at a wine press. Now, the wine presses in Israel, they've, they've dug up all kinds of them. And there's some that are 1,500, 2,000, and 3,000 years old. The wine presses are stone walls. Okay? And when you get inside of a wine press, they would take all the grapes and just, just throw them in there. And at the center of that stone uh, box, there would be a hole in the ground that would be another three feet deep. So this would be about nine foot walls, and then another three feet deep at the bottom of that would be a hole. And that's where all the grape juice would go. And they would stomp away and stomp away, and the grapes would go, the grape juice would go down into that hole. And then there'd be a little hole that they dug out from there that would go out and they'd stop that up. And when they were ready to get all the grape juice, somebody would be out at the other side collecting the grape juice. Pretty cool idea. They used gravity, right? It was gravity fed. Now the reason why Gideon is in the wine press sifting wheat is because he's scared. Imagine if you could get down into a foxhole that's six feet deep and then step down into another one that's three feet deep and you could sift your wheat down there. The only problem is, it's pretty hard to sift wheat when you're in a hole. Come on. Let me talk to you about that. We need the wind. You don't get wheat sifted without wind. The whole half of the process of sifting wheat, and we think, you know, I I just go to the store and get me some bread, man. I don't think about all this. But back in the day, to separate the wheat from the chaff, they had a device that they would put the wheat on and they would go like this and the wind would blow and the chaff would blow away and the wheat would remain now how do you do that when you're inside a hole and the wind is blowing over the top of you not very well but let me tell you why he was doing it he's hungry he's hungry and we just read that the midianites they're coming through and eating up and devouring everything kind of like when my son still lived with me Okay, And I had to hide all my Twinkies and Ding Dongs and all my fruit roll-ups, everything from that guy. Everything. Because I knew he'd come down, and when I was sleeping, he'd eat all my good stuff. I'm like, you know, get your oatmeal cream pies. Come on. I get the little Debbies in the, in the, in the, the super size box. All right? I put that out in the garage. Because I know Isaac lives with me. I love you, Isaac, if you're watching. But, but he knew that if the enemy sees me, right? I'm going to lose all my food. And so he wanted to eat. It ain't all bad. But at the same time, he's no Chuck Norris. He ain't exactly saying, come on. He's not like Shammah. We didn't get, get into Shamma much, but Shammah stood in the middle of a, of a pea field with a hoe, right? And the enemy came in and attacked to get his pea, pea field, uh, his lentil field. And you know what Shamma did? He whipped them all, opened up a can and whipped every one of them. Now, now he, he's, he's no Chuck Norris, this tree fella. But here's the deal, he still wants to eat. And this is where the angel shows up. And can I teach you something tonight? This is so important. At your lowest point, when you're the most scared, when you're the most humble, when you think it's all over, when you think that everything is gone and you've got just a little bit left, God says, okay, you're ready for promotion." It's not at your highest point. It's not when everything's going perfect and right, when you're all full of self-confidence and you think you can take on the world by yourself, you and one army, and you even packed a lunch for it, and God says, you're not ready. You're ready when you're at the lowest point. (laughs) You're, You're ready when you're scared. Isn't that ironic? We think God wants us when we're at our best, and God says, that's not what I want. God is saying, you ain't low enough yet for me to raise you where I want you to be. That's where the angel shows up. And the angel shows up in verse 12, and he appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. I want you to see this. He's speaking to Gideon based on not what he is, but based on what God is going to make him into you don't see you the way God sees you the way you see you is not the way God sees you most of the way you see you is the way everybody else sees you the way the world sees you the way the devil sees you the way you see you but God sees you way higher and if you caught a glimpse of it it'd probably scare you and that's good I'm not telling you to be afraid, but what I am telling you is this. What God calls you to is bigger than you. And, and you know what? You've been told by mama when you grew up as a kid, don't bite off more than you can chew. But I'm here to tell you tonight when God calls you, you will bite off more than you can chew. And you'll need somebody to chew it with you. And you'll need all of the power of the Holy Spirit for you to chew and get through it. I went to east chicago pizza the other day and got their large yeah got it for just me and my wife you know my dog ate most of that pizza man i'm telling you i had some help i thought i could finish it off myself randy but there was my dog he's faithful i should have called him gideon you know i should have called him that all right so that's the way god sees you he doesn't define us by the condition we're in but he defines us by who we're becoming in Christ. Verse 13, but Gideon said to him, two questions, I want want you to see these two questions. Number one, verse 13, he says, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, (laughs) why then has all this happened to us? You're telling me you're with me? You're telling me God is with me? Oh, yeah? Well, look around. Look around, doc. Things are worse than ever. And you're saying God's with us? As if it's God's fault. I can't tell you how many church folk I've talked to or prayed with, and they've said, you know what? Where's God when I need him? Now, wait a minute here. That's not the word. What you're you're letting fly out of your mouth is wrong, son. Son. That's not what God has promised in His Word. God hadn't left them. They left God. And the condition of your circumstances are not His fault. And isn't it funny? This ain't the pot calling the kettle black. This is blaming God for something that He didn't do. And I love what happens here. I I love this because He backs it up with another question and this is where I want to get the Pentecostal church today you aren't so bad though I love you you don't hit me with this too much so I love you for it but at question number two it says where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us I can't tell you how many Pentecostal people I've met where are the miracles <laughs> come on pastor you know back in the day back in the good old days oh pastor Back in the 70s, we've seen the lame walk. Man, we've seen the miracles of God. It was awesome. Where are all the miracles? Gideon is saying the same thing. Do you catch that? And we think we're different. We think, well, you know, we have a conclusion bias. We know the end of all these stories in the Bible, so we're not where they're at at all. We say the same goofy stuff. And I love how God responds. Look at verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do our, don't or do I send you. In other words, listen, here's the answer. You're going to be the answer. See, that's what people don't want. People want God to say, Oh, you want more in my presence? I'll give you that. You want more of my power and miracles? I'll give you that. But I want to sit here. And if there's something that chaps me and honks me, that's it. Pastor, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch. And if there's anything that's happened to the Pentecostal spiritual church in the last 10, maybe 20 years, it's this. It's become a spectator sport. We're going to sit We're going to watch, and we're going to go attend any church where we can watch it happen more. But we're not going to do anything. We're not going to be a part of anything. Let that fat, sweaty, bold preacher do it all. And I want to tell you, that's not the answer. You want the miracles? It's going to be you. You want the presence of God? It's going to take you. You try to build it around a man, let me tell you something. Got to pull the rug right out from underneath all of us. It's happened more than once. We are the work of our generation. And I love in verse 12 and in verse 14, he's called, this angel is called the Lord directly. This is, in my opinion, a Christophany. This is a pre-incarnate, this is Jesus saying this to Gideon. This is Jesus, not me, this is Jesus saying this to you. He's speaking to you. Verse 15. (laughs) And Gideon said to, I'm going to say Jesus, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Okay, he's not saying, here's what you might think he's saying. He's he's not saying, I'm just a wee little man and a wee little man in in me. Okay, he's not Zacchaeus speaking here. Here's what he's saying. If I come from the smallest clan, and I'm the youngest in my clan, that means nobody's going with me. Uh, yeah, I'll do it, God. But I need lots of people to do it. With. I need lots of people to do it with me. Because God, I, I, I can trust you and believe. By the way, you know the end of this story. God narrows down all the, I mean, a bunch of people show up to get this done, and God says, no, 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 I don't need all that. I don't, I don't need all that and what are we what are we contaminated with in our culture today in Christianity let me find the biggest church and let me spectate nothing wrong with that but if you want the power if you want the presence of god i just want to tell you that every time he shows up in small places with small people i don't know a little town called bethlehem and then later, can anything good come from Nazareth? He has a propensity to show up in small places and do big things. So, you know, I'm the smallest in my clan. Nobody's going to help me out here, God. <laughs> Who's going to go with me? Verse 16, and the Lord said to him, I will be with you. Man, you've got a majority now. That's all you need. That's all you need. I go to these pastor meetings and everybody starts talking about, well, we just got a brand new LED screen. I'm like, that's cool, man. I like it I like LED. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know what that means, but I like it. You know, that's cool. You can put up really cool pictures and stuff, and you know, your whole background's all like a picture, and that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. We paid seventeen thousand dollars for it. It's a big LED. We're gonna get another one. It's I'm, man, that's cool. That's awesome, man um who got filled with the holy spirit uh, yeah have you seen my led screen man i don't care you know i really honest to god i don't care i know it's all gonna burn who got saved Who who's being discipled who's stepping out in faith in ministry that's my led screen i want to see people used by god i i, I really don't aesthetics listen truly honestly how is anything on earth going to compare to walking the streets of gold? How is anything on earth going to compare to seeing Jesus' faith, uh, face? How is anything on earth going to, going to compare to me walking with Moses and walking with David, man, and, and seeing the crystal sea? And How is anything here going to compare to that? I just want, I just want Jesus. He says, you know what? I will be with you. And then he, he promises next. He says, "And you shall strike the Midianites as one man." He's not saying it's just you. He's saying all of those people you're going to go face, it'd be like taking on one dude. Yeah. Now, now I got in lots of fights as a kid and grown up, you know, and and and, and then uh, and and then I got wise because I, I lost so much. I don't like losing, <laughs> you know. Some people do. I don't. But I got in lots of fights as a kid. And, and and normally I lost them because I took on more people than I could handle right and you know everybody's got a friend and suddenly it's just me and this kid on the playground or me and this kid you know in the arcade And I'm landing on the pinball machine and and I'm like why am I losing this now there's three kids how did that happen you know well he had friends I didn't I started something that I couldn't finish right and I, and I, and I think for a minute well is there things in my life that I'm fighting that aren't God's fight? Are there things in my life that I'm standing up for and I'm getting, I'm becoming contentious, but it isn't God's fight? God says, you know what? If you'll fight my fight, whatever you face, it could be an army of, of, of thirty thousand, hundred thousand. It'd be like one guy, and I'll be with you fighting that fight. You see, I just want to fight God's fight. There isn't, there isn't my fight with you. There's just, there's just the fight between heaven and hell. And you're deciding which side you're going to be on. It isn't your side and my side. It's God's side and the devil's side. That's the only sides there are. And so pick your side. And and I don't want any side that isn't Jesus' side. And that's what Jesus says. You know what? You're going to fight my fight. Verse 17, and Gideon said to him, If now I found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign. (laughs) That it is you who I speak who speak with me okay all right so it starts with food and i always like starting with food i think it's a pretty good thing he makes some cakes and puts it out on a rock and he says you know what if this is going to work if this is this is all you uh show up and uh, this angel shows up and zaps the cakes on the rock right it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the first like first like pizza you know and god deals with that bakes something uh, first baked oven outdoor pizza right? Um, And Gideon says, oh, well, I can see that you're on my side. Great. Um, No, Gideon, you're on his side. He's not on your side. You're on his side. And then so God says, okay, good. You're going to go do what I need you to do? Oh, yeah. And so where does God start with? The Midianites, right? Nope. God says, go to your own area, your own land, in the region that your father even owns, and take down... The idols to bail. So Gideon go. <laughs> Gideon is a. Gideon is a, is is a tough dude. He's Chuck Bronson, man. He goes at night. He says, "Sure, I'll do it." God, you showed up huge. You zapped those cakes on the rock. He goes at night. He says, "I'll go do it," you know. Just like you know what, Jesus, I got some questions for you, but I'm gonna meet you at night. You know, over here in these bushes. I don't want everybody else to see. Just you and I. We're going to have to talk, Jesus. Jesus showed up anyway. And God showed up anyway. And you know what? They dealt with the idols. And you know what happened to Gideon? All of his family and friends got mad at him. Right? And let me tell you why they got mad. Because we all don't understand idols the way we should. Because we're far more connected and closer to the story than we realize. Number one... These weren't, this wasn't a either or, this was a both and. Let me explain. So idols at that time were syncretic syncretism. Baal was worshipped alongside of Yahweh. It wasn't Yahweh or Baal, it was Yahweh and when we need a good harvest, Baal. And when we need a good rain, Baal, because he was the rain god. So the idea was, is we'll have Yahweh for these things, and then we'll have Baal for these things, right? And so when Gideon went, remember it was he was threshing wheat? This is harvest time. They're mad now, because they trusted Baal to bring in a great harvest. And the enemy's already eaten up everything that's going on, and, and they're all hungry. You know, it'd be like that last slice of pizza and you controlled yourself you only had two slices somebody else all the other people in the family had three or four right and you go in for your slice because it's your turn for the third you don't think that way at all do you you don't at all I sure do I know you've had three I've been watching your slices and I know how many slices you've had and I know there's still one there waiting for me and then big old piggo comes over and eats a fourth slice and that's your slice they're upset don't take our don't take our harvest god away we're hungry and i love what gideon's dad says gideon's dad is a cool dude he gives he says well if baal's a true god then let baal defend baal and everybody kind of thought about that for a second and backed off wait a minute here gideon the guy that's you know the least of his tribe, and from the least tribe, the youngest of his tribe, Gideon came and destroyed that God that we trusted for. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. Why do we serve this God? Why do we trust the government more than Jesus? Why do we trust our paycheck more than God? Why do we trust um, who we date and who we connect with online more than God? Why do we trust people and please people more than we do Jesus? Why is that? This doesn't make any sense anymore. Congratulations you've received a revelation. (laughs) And uh, they give him a name. It's Jerub Baal. Um, It means let Baal defend himself. But I say that a modern vernacular version of that name would be Baal Tail Whooper. (laughs) Yeah. He's the guy that defeated Baal. And now people can start to see, wait a minute here, the problem here wasn't the circumstances. The problem here was our heart and our idol worship. Why can't... Let me rephrase it. Why don't I just trust my marriage for my needs? Why don't I trust God to wait until I'm married why can't I trust God to give me strength to overcome this re-identification of my gender why don't I trust do you see where idols are here they're in our lives but we say God I'm going to do you and it's you and me God but I also need this because I can't help myself. I gotta have this, God. You know, I, I, I you, God, I have to cope, and you know I need this alcohol. You know I need to drink every night. I can't sleep unless I drink, Lord. Idle! Idle! Some of you are looking at me like, whoa. Yeah. We're just like him, okay? Okay? I'm running out of time. I just want to leave you with this this thought right here, okay? Then he goes over to the fleece test because now it's time to take on the enemy. And, uh, you know, this is the, this is, let me tell you what my fleece test was. She's not here. She's helping in children's church. But I had a fleece test for Mary and Sarah. Okay. All right. The first one was my dad had built me a non-regulation basketball hoop outside of our very, very small house. And... uh, my first test was this, Lord, if I can make three shots in a row from that pine tree back there, I know she's the one that I should stay with and marry. Now, I'm only 18. I have no clue of what I'm telling God. So I go out by the pine tree, and I'm like, oh, please sink these, you know? And I'm like, "Do, do." terrible basketball, terrible hoop. The back of the hoop was like made out of a skid, right? So you know, if you hit it, it's not going to go. These have to be sinkers, man. You know, I'm all the way out by the pine tree. Come on, man. Come on. Come on, God. Sink one. I'm like, she's it. I'm telling she's it, man. I got this, God. I got, I can see, God, that you're in this, you know. Go back to the next one. All right, God, one more time, one more time. I sink two. I'm like, I got it. We're going to be, this is the one. I'm going to be married. We're, this is it. I go up for the third, and wouldn't you know what I missed? And then I said, Lord, I know, I know that the devil brought a wind, and that wasn't me and you. God, you want me to have two more shots. If I sink two more shots, if I sink, and I sunk the next two, and I thought, that's it, that's it. I know. I know she's the one. I know she's the one. That is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I, and I told her that later. I said, do you realize I made, some, I made some shots in my backyard, and that's how I figured out I was supposed to marry you? She's like, I don't know if I want to be with you. You're kind of a goober, you know. So, Gideon sets this up like, you know, okay, the first time the fleece is gonna be wet and the ground's gonna be dry. The second time, oh, we'll see if it's God or not. Next time, the ground's gonna be wet and the fleece is gonna be dry. Is it God or is it God? Yeah, I'm the same God that zapped the cakes, Gideon. I'm the same God. And you know, before we go picking on him too much, let's take a good look at ourselves. How long do we say, well God, you gotta show me this, and God, you gotta show me that? And God, you gotta, well God, you gotta give me a new job, and God, you gotta give me a raise. And God, you've gotta give me a house, and God, you've gotta give me this. And Lord, you know I can't do it unless you do this, 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 and this, and then I know I can obey you. And that is disobedience. That is not obedience, that's disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And that's what he does. And the only fleece I'm going to leave with you, and I have so much more to teach, but I think we're out of time, okay? Um, the only fleece I want to leave with you tonight is the cross. You already have your fleece. Gideon didn't have the cross. He, he, he didn't have Jesus on the cross for you. For you. Just think about you. Don't think about all of humanity and all their sins. Just think about you. Um, he went to the cross For your sin and paid for it and now not just sin past tense he went to the cross for all your sins like all the sins that you would ever commit in the future too he went to the cross for that and already paid for that too in light of that what is our excuse from God's position from the father's position what he sees for what he sees you and I as as bought paid for in full complete done finished you know that's what it is finished means you are finished already in the father's eyes through his son so there is no excuse for not doing by faith God has called you to do right now. There's no excuse. Unless you excuse yourself. And then you miss out on so much that He has for you.